Hola YouTube, my name is Ricardo and I'm a wheel addict. Welcome to Skate Talks number 15. Yes, that's right, 1-5. It's been, it's been quite a journey. Anyway, so my guest today, I'm not going to tell you how old he is for our longest skates. I'm just going to say one word, Winter Clash. So, Jojo is like... Really, how can I say this? Jojo is someone that I met on one of the most important days of my life. Basically, as a kid, I used to... I think I didn't even dream of ever getting paid to skate. But that day came. And the day I got my first paycheck, the day I got my first euro, my first dollar, whatever, you, whatever currency you're in, it was the same exact day that I met Jojo. Jojo is German. I met Jojo in in Vienna at the BMEG house. And and that's it. Let's call Jojo and let's see what's he up to. And I'm sorry that I'm a little bit tired. I've been running around trying to find batteries for this microphone. So I just did a marathon. Let's call Jojo. Good morning. <laughs> Yo, how are you doing, man? All good. Hello. <laughs> Ooh, I just did a marathon, huh? Like, <laughs> and I'm not talking about a skating marathon. I couldn't find batteries. Like, I've been looking everywhere, like in around my office and like the other offices next to mine. I couldn't find batteries. I had to get in a scooter and buy some batteries. <laughs> but now I'm ready. I feel what, like what time is it? Uh, it's the same time as there. It's like quarter to eleven. But in I'm, the morning. Yeah. Oh, okay. Same. So there's a bigger. Uh, no, no, no. Right now, how, right how, now. How educated I am. <laughs> <laughs> you need to come over. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> yeah, that, that's for sure. That's for sure. Okay. So, are you ready to be interrupted a few times? Yeah. Totally ready. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> okay. Let's start with this. Jojo, mm -hmm. what's up with this year's Winter Clash? That's what everyone wants to know. Um, uh, things are going well, like always. We just started um, around a month ago, a little bit more than a month ago. We started with the tickets, uh, ticket sale. We announced uh, the date and uh, going a little bit, ticket selling a little bit faster than last year. And um, it looks like it's going to be another wonderful winter clash. Um, I'm always trying to, to keep it interesting for for everyone and also for myself as well, because we never want to be at the point where we only do it just to do it. Um, so we decided to uh, focus on the history of plating, and our motto is uh, past, present, and future, which means we want to cover all aspects. We want to talk to the people who shape the sports, legendary people like all the just explain the history to the new ones um want to take a look on what's what's cool right now who's cool right now what projects are nice and of course we want to talk about the future and uh yeah see what's happening there and all of that is somehow going to fit into the program of interclash just to make it more exciting next to the competition itself which is exciting alone that's sick i, I did it came out with that idea where did the idea came from? Did you saw it anywhere or mm. it just all came from your mind? Mm, it came from me having the feeling that... Mm, I mean, first of all, 
uh, every year we're trying to have a motto like every year i mean in 2010 we obviously had this time big time which miserably failed then we had here to stay uh, make it yours every time we try to find a motto to add something extra to the event and this year um, i kind of had the feeling that uh, i want to or i always had the feeling that uh that there's more history teaching not teaching but more history should be visible at the sport so people can see where we're coming from and this year um, we finally found a way to make that happen and now we're working on a pretty exciting program to yeah to just get it started and give the younger kids or the younger visitors an opportunity to find out what's our past and yeah that's sick because the thing is right now you're going to be talking about about the history of what we do but the truth is right now the winter clash is part of the skating in history it's just it's basically it's for me and it's for everyone else the biggest skate event when it comes to aggressive skating we all know it there's no x games there's no lg games no asa that could ever match what you guys what you've been doing the thing is what you do right there is just so powerful and somehow i, I don't know if you ever did it on purpose that you can have like the public so close to the skaters but i guess that makes the whole difference it, it's i keep saying the same i don't know like tricks like last year when um joe did that flat, flat spin five over the fence i don't yeah. know it, he's not seeing the landing but at the same time even if he was watching the landing it was full of people i don't know how like <laughs> all those guys skate like that without seeing this the rail or whatever but anyway it's yeah, amazing I mean. but my question is not that my question is we were talking about history why did you ever started the winter clash I, I i met you before that and then the first day i went to your place it was one week before or a few days yeah. before the first winter <laughs> clash i actually helped you helped you with setting the whole thing but it's crazy how the whole thing evolved and what did what did it became but how what what um Yeah, a little side, fun side fact for everyone who doesn't know, Winter Clash actually started with Ricardo Lino doing a negative asset on my bathtub, naked. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's pictures of it. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, in the beginning, um, I was uh, yeah, bleeding myself and I was traveling a lot and I was visiting all these events. And I always uh, wanted to invite people to my own hometown, to Dresden in the east, east of Germany. And that's why we started small real street events and small skate park events there. And at some point, um, I just had a feeling that I really wanted to do something outside of my hometown and something bigger. And I had the feeling that there's, uh, even there was a lot of events at the time, I had a feeling that there's space for something a little bit different, something more... Uh, from the very beginning, the idea was to involve people more than at the usual event and to add more side events, more to the program. I wanted it to be more than just a competition from the very beginning. Um, that's how Winterklisch started. And then we went to Aurich in, in the north of Germany because they had the best skate park at the time. Mm -hmm. I remember and, yeah, And then from the very beginning, we just added a lot of fun stuff to the program. Like we had a most creative trick, best uh, stunt, uh, cash for trick award, all those kind of things. We had parties. And then the, the, I think the final of the most creative trick, or the best trick, I'm not sure anymore, got um, decided by arm wrestling. <laughs> Out of, like, just, it, just, it just, just happened spontaneous. I think it was between Benny Hamanus and Adil Fauni. And uh, 
when that happened, it happened automatically, it happened spontaneously without planning it. But that was one of the moments that I realized, okay, this is really different. exactly the route I want. This is different, and that's the route I want to go. I don't want it to be too serious. I don't want everyone to come just because they really, really want to win and they really want to make a lot of money with prize money or whatever. I always wanted it to be more about people coming together, experiencing great times together, and then. Of course, it's always about who is winning and everything, but then at least the competition part should be more fun. That's also when the whole people in the park thing happened. It didn't happen that much in the in the first year, but then right in the second year in Mühlhausen in 2006, it already started with people being in the park, which I believe happened because we had too little space for too many people. So people were standing in the middle of the park automatically. <laughs> And um, in the beginning, we tried to fight against it, and they were screaming, stop skating, move, move. And at some point, I realized, like two years later or something, or one year later, that it's maybe what it's all about. Of course, people will hate it, and it's still a love-hate thing today that people are in the park. Um, but on the other hand, I think that's what makes it so unique. People, like, I mean, not even kids. I mean, of course, the kids are standing right next to it, and they can give a hug or high-five or crowd surf <laughs> right after the tricks and, and touch their favorite pros and hang out with them in the park. But on the other hand, there's also parents of the kids standing in the first row with their mobile camera, with a mobile phone and filming it and are being super excited. And everyone can be so close to the action. And even though some people hate it, and I totally understand if some players just can't skate and under that circumstances because it's too hectic and too wild, I still feel that's what Winterclass should be. It's kind of a party and it's kind of a big get together and the big session and the people who can deal with all the crowd they are just going nuts and the other ones they're just enjoying yourself and having a couple of drinks with the friends so it kind of developed itself in that direction but we quickly realized that's exactly what we want to do that's awesome the thing is like you said you you never wanted it to be so serious but the truth is Three quads, it's been the most serious event ever. I've never seen like people trying to go so mad. Like the thing is, like you said, probably because you tried not to make something so serious, it became something way more how, how can I say it? Valuable. I don't know I don't want yeah, to talk I mean, about it's, money. It's like it's it part, makes it's, part. it's like you want you wanna be the winner of the winter clash because probably because it was something so different and it's just like you, you made the most serious thing while trying not to be so serious. So that's why probably the tricks are so sometimes stupid. We created a space for it to happen. And now I think, um, or pretty pretty fast after the second or third year, it became important for people to win Winter Clash, but not for prize money reasons or for, I mean, of course, for it's fame status, in some man. way. <laughs> status, yeah. But yeah. also I think people are so excited to pull their best tricks because... Um, for so many people, it means so much to be there because we are not only having people from one country coming there. Now, last year, we had people from more than 40 different countries traveling there and also really difficult places of the world where it's really hard to get out of the country even. And I'm doing, nowadays, my job is a lot of paperwork just to get invitations out so they can get their visas and uh, talk to governments and all this stuff. So for a lot of people, it means a lot to be there. Like I had last year, I had a, a very, very good guy from, from uh, Mexico or so, somewhere in South America. And he, he almost had tears in his eyes and he gave me a base cap with my name stitched in it. 
And he told me that he saved money for four years, and then his whole village put money together just for him to Wasn't be there Columbia once in his lifetime. Was it Colombia or something like that? Colombia, it? sorry. Yeah, and Columbia, this year, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I saw that on the riders list, they are already there again. Yeah, yeah of course, yeah. That's, that's amazing. That's so that, uh, <laughs> it's really, really amazing. And I think that's why the level is so insane as well, because everyone really, really wants to be there, and everyone wants to show what he's got, and also, of course, what she's got. And what uh, that the country is is alive, and that blading in their countries is also strong, and that's what everyone wants to, wants to show. And then, of course, because it's so many people from all over the world, and the adrenaline is so high because it's kind of a party and kind of a crazy session. I think that's why tricks are happening. If it would be in totally empty skate park, um, and the people standing aside, I think the level would be different because people wouldn't get so much pumped up and yes. so hyped because it's, it's really everyone. Everyone has all their friends there. All their best friends are there right next to the ramp. And it, even if the pressure is insane because there's so many people and it's so loud, I think it still makes up a lot of the vibe and a lot of the yeah the, the, the feeling you have and the, why you want to go as hard as you can because all, of your, all your friends are there and they're standing right next to it celebrating you and splating. It's crazy. You created something crazy. That's all I can say. But I have another question for you, which is, Yes, you, you said that you came from organizing smaller events in your hometown to, to going something this big, which is cool. And in my opinion, it's really important that people listen to this because everyone that skates try to organize their, I, I guess like most of the people, at least I did and a lot of people that I know try to organize their own things. And a lot of times all they think is like, yeah, my, my hometown event doesn't really, doesn't really get the type of people or the, the amount of people that I want, so I'm going to give up. But it's not about that. Like, you didn't start that big. You started, like, with home events, and probably, of course, they they started getting more and more successful. But the truth is... Yeah, but in the beginning, it was small. In the beginning, we had, like, at the first event, we had 50 people coming from two cities or something. And then we just... Um, I mean, back in the day, we didn't have social media or anything, so we had couple of magazines and we had flyers and then we just went to other cities and gave them the flyers and then they came and we called people for the first winter clash for, for example i uh, wrote invitation letters in terrible 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 english i still have them today it's insane it's so <laughs> funny to read them um and i sent them uh, via letter to the to the people's home and that's how we invited people and that's how we started uh, getting people involved like we just talked to them personally we just didn't set up a fa like nowadays of course, it's easy to set up a Facebook page or a Facebook event and say, okay, we're going to do this. But I always feel it's important to show the people that they can be a part of it and that they should be a part of it. So um, not just, I mean, of course, it starts with organizing, organizing a session and get people to your hometown, but then maybe add something special to it. Maybe even if it's just an evening in a bar afterwards with showing a couple of videos or in our case, we had ice cream and handmade that. salads. Yeah, we, <laughs> we, we, we gave... We gave <laughs> sorry, like sorry. add something special to it just like add, try to make it a little bit more different it's easy to make it different because almost everything is the same these days it's easy to make it a little bit more different so people remember it and just make sure everyone has a good time and then they will automatically come back and tell other people to join as well for me what was crazy about it was I've been before that event I've been to a few events and I've been to like something like the fees that used to be back then used to be in Palavas before, before yeah, being yeah. in Montpellier and the yeah. thing is for all those events, mostly the only international people that you would have would be on the pro because the amateur wouldn't have any any international people. It was mostly French. Every now and then, 
it would be someone from another country but when someone from yeah. another country would somehow go straight to pro or i don't know it's just, it's just weird mm -hmm. and then asa or lg was just invitation only even the lausanne contest that was before for you to compete at the street contest somehow there was some kind of invitation at least i tried to compete in 98 and they told me no you're not sponsored but yeah. <laughs> so somehow You did something I mean, big, there big, that I don't. I don't really know what topic. was it. In the beginning, we had problems because in the first three years, um, it was very hard to tell who's pro and who's not. I pro. remember that. I remember and, that. And uh, we had a we had a pro competition with more than 200 riders, which was insane. And also, <laughs> the level is the level is weird, you know, because at some point you have in the same group you have someone barely able to make a 540, and then you have Albaturi totally destroying it. Yeah, I know. I remember that. I remember yeah. being with people doing 540 grinds, yeah. 720 out. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So at some point we had to make a decision, and that's also when the the world the world rolling series started, and when everyone agreed, okay, to be able to compete in a pro competition, you need to be sponsored by a boot company, and you not not only that, not only that, you need to be in the international pro team of a boot company. Yeah, so because we can't otherwise they would make rapidly. their own t-shirt brand and just be yeah, yeah I'm sponsored yeah. by my own yeah. t-shirt brand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that, when it happened, when we started talking about it with Kato and everyone, um, we agreed that Winter Clash should be the first event doing it because if we do it, other events can join. Because if a smaller event would have done it, people would have complained so much. Because, of course, they competed in pro before, um, and now they got really angry because they cannot compete in pro anymore and they have to be amateur. And it happened to me as well. Like I got the most terrible emails, and people were so angry that they're not allowed to compete in pro anymore. It's disrespectful all the stuff and I understand it but at some point we just had to do it and we did it and it added much more quality to the pro competition and what it also did is putting a new limelight on the amateur competition because yes. amateur competition it always sounds so terrible amateur and amateur but that winter clash amateur competition is insane dude and the, have the people, amateurs people sometimes like, are better than pros I'm sorry to yeah, say that about, but I mean <laughs> all those people I mean in the look at the winter clash history <coughs> Julian Cudo, Roman Aprat Nils Janssons, Dominic Bruce, they all competed in uh, amateur, some even in junior before, yeah, and now they're pros. Yeah. Dominic, yeah, and they and they, they build up their way, and every year it's it's insane to see them grow and then compete in the next division. You know, like going like Dominic going from from uh, juniors to amateurs to pro, or like Nils winning amateur and then winning pro. Like or winning amateurs, then getting second or third in pro, and then winning pro, and, then and that's how it's supposed to be, and that's how it works, and that's also why people are excited to compete in amateur now because they know it's it's that one amateur competition where they really can shine and where they can show who they are, and then maybe next year they compete in pro, if if that matters to them. For me, it doesn't matter if it's pro, amateur, or juniors. Look at the juniors competitions; they are getting better and better as well. <laughs> I know, <laughs> and I'm yeah, so and proud exactly of my kid in Portugal, Rodrigo. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, probably. exactly, and that, that's what we want to build, and that's also what what uh, what I mean with not being too serious. Because w of course everyone is like, oh yeah, the pro competition is the most interesting or most important thing, but we really want to push in the direction that people understand that, for example, the ladies competition, the girls competition is also getting so sick, mm -hmm. and the juniors are getting so sick. So I want everyone in the building to get behind that because it's part of plating, and that is plating. It's not about who. Some someday had a sponsor, and that's why he's still in pro. It's about good times and crazy tricks, and everyone in all ages and all genders can do that. Okay, so I have two thoughts that I have to share before I forget. Like two questions, mm -hmm. probably. The first one is... Damn it, don't tell me I forgot about the last one. Uh, okay, no, I know, I know, I know. I didn't write. I'm bad with a pen. Anyway, so the first one... Don't reply to it right away. The first one is... Mm -hmm. It's good 
like it, this is more like a thought than a question which is it's good that to have the you have the pros competition even if like we're saying the amateurs are getting so good i remember that french kid uh boom Bo how you say Buma? maybe yuma yuma yuma, yuma. yuma, yuma yeah. the, last year that hurricane topsoil transfer that was just crazy but stuff like that it's really really awesome to watch like it's amazing to watch but at the same time it's good to have pros like like everyone says it's like kids need to have someone to look out for and then having big names out there or like the biggest names in our industry it's really important so it's cool that it keep you keep it that way but now the question the real question is how do you do it with guys like dominic bruce as an example like i think he's right now skating razor skates but he was pro like for for ssm somehow not really pro but like he could compete at the winter clash in pro because he was sponsored internationally by ssm then ssm died somehow one second i have to I have to interrupt you yeah uh, dominic bruce uh, was allowed to compete in pro because he uh placed in top three amateur oh okay. and our top and uh, and the top three amateurs of the last three years of Clash are allowed to compete in pro perfect that's that's exactly yeah, that, yeah you just said it so perfect but guys like imagine yeah. Mar mark moreno as an example mark moreno already competed in pro and right now i, I know he skates valo but he's not i think from what i know he's not officially on valo i'm just trying to get like an example so if someone already competed in pro can they still compete in pro again or they need to qualify yeah, yeah they can they can still they can still compete in pro again okay i'm gonna compete yeah i mean for example if it's an amateur who plays top three um five years ago in, in winter clash and then competed maybe in one pro competition in winter clash and then didn't win anything didn't compete anywhere and then shows up again it's not sponsored or nothing at all uh, five years later then he's not allowed to compete in pro anymore but if it's someone like mark who has put out several video parts has had big sponsors he was pro for usd he was pro for ssm and in that in that case um it's obvious like there's no no arguing about it but then on the other hand, what you just mentioned with um, it's important to have the pros, um, that's exactly what we want to show and also maybe teach to people because there's a lot of people who are insanely good. One yes. example from last year, from Winterclash 2017 is, um, I hope I can pronounce his name right, is Chorinho uh, or something from, from South America and he was living in Barcelona. And ah, Juninho Moraes. Juninho Moraes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was winning... Uh, most of the competitions he competed at in Spain and South America, <laughs> I know. and he had a huge he had a huge fan base, and um, a lot of people wrote me that, and he, he applied for pro, and um, he signed up for pro, and then I had to put him in amateur because he just isn't a pro or he was never in a, in, a, in a pro team of a big company, and he never won a big international event. He only won all the local events. Mm -hmm. um, but of course, he's awesome. He's like his level is insane. He's up there. But then I got a lot of messages from people complaining. He complained, of course, or they didn't understand it. And then I had to had to tell them that it takes more than just being very good and winning local mm -hmm. or semi-international competition. It takes more. And if he thinks he's up there, why not just compete an amateur, place in the top three, and then go pro next and, year? And he did it, right? And he did. Exactly. He did exactly That's that. Amazing. And I could tell the examples. I could tell him, like, look at Roman Abrat, look at Julien Cudot, look at Anthony Potier. Niels Janssons, they all did the same thing. They competed in amateur and then they went to pro. And that's what he needs to do as well. It's not enough to, I mean, it sounds terrible to say it's not enough, but in that case, it's really not enough to just be very good. You have to build something around it and you have to be consistent and you have to be able to to 
to compete against people from all over the world to all the I mean because all of them are the best in their country okay it's just now, not enough to I'm be the best in their country I'm gonna make another question in the same yeah. I'm sorry that I'm going against about the same the whole time now but like all imagine good, all it, good. like social media nowadays like you said it's like a really big thing but imagine if there's like a big name in social media I don't even know about one maybe there's that guy Sasha that skates rollerblade skates he's really really good I don't think he's pro mm -hmm. for a brand he skates rollerblade skates but I don't think he's pro for rollerblade but the the question is imagine if someone which is has a lot of following and on social media is like really good you can see it right away if they apply as pro without winning any competition ever would they be able to to compete in pro or they would still need to go through amateur and all that they would still need to go through that because if i open it a little bit then it's impossible to um argue or to to um justify okay. other decisions yeah, that I, can, all, I cannot that tell one sense. people it's not pos possible and then i have to be strict even though sometimes it would make sense for the competition to open it up But then I have to be strict, otherwise it's impossible to to justify other decisions. Yeah, that makes sense because that's exactly what if we, I I'm not trying to compare us with skateboarding, but if there's a sport that does the same type of events, would be skateboarding, and there's the biggest skateboarding event is called Tampa, and they have mm -hmm. Tampa Pro and Tampa M, and there's no yeah. one going straight to Tampa Pro. They it's so exactly. big that they even need to do two separate events. So, I know mm -hmm. it's it's amazing. It's kind of like Rinderklesch. The skate park is so packed. And now I got another question for yeah. you. So the thing is, talking about two separate events, you know exactly what I'm going now. But I'm not expecting you to make like in the summer a pro event and in the winter uh, amateur event. Not like that. But you know, people keep asking you about the same. And the word is summer clash. So when is that going to happen? If it ever going to happen again? Hmm. It's not, I mean, it almost happened this year, but then it didn't. Like I had, I mean, there's several reasons why it's so complicated with Summer Clash. First of all, I truly believe, because I always get messages with people telling me like, hey, I have a new location, I have a new idea, and a lot of locations are just perfect to do it. But first of all, I believe it belongs to Meadow Park because we have the camping there, we have the river, we have a nice DIY park. Soon uh, they're going to have an insanely good outdoor uh, park. Um, so th I really want to keep it in Berlin, mm -hmm. um, but doing summer clash means that after organizing winter clash, which usually takes from late September, October until February, almost full time, um, then doing summer clash would mean that right after winter clash, so in early March, after one week of break, I would have to start doing summer clash again. So that's another two, three, almost four months of work. Maybe not full time, but uh, a lot of the, the hours per day, like let's say seven, six, six, seven hours per day, go into it, mm -hmm. and that's a lot of time. And it's winter clash now is stable; like it, it generates a lot of money, which uh, can be used to pay back the debts I still have, and also it can be used so I can uh, live from it a couple of months a year, okay, so which I is important because I'm investing all the time. And for summer clash, I would need and, and somehow I need to make money to be able to invest all the time to do it because of course i could do it low level and not investing that much time just do a diy event but because it's summer clash and people would show up and there would be more than 500 people um, there's a lot of stuff required to make it happen which means the city government government um, or the rules are just we need security we need showers we need toilets and all of that costs a lot of money so there's a lot of financial pressure behind it Uh, realizing summer clash is more expensive than winter clash. Okay. 
on the other hand, we have less people at SummerClash, um, which means we have a higher financial risk because if not enough people show up, we're going to lose money on it. And that's just impossible after working four months for it. So the financial risk is pretty high. And, um, yeah, and you learned, you learned so about the financial risk, right? Exactly. I mean, it's another thing. Once I'm debt-free, we can talk about it. But for now, I'm just not willing to take any uh, risk at all. How much all. do you still that, own? Uh, 25,000. Is, is there any way for us to ever start any other crowdfunding to pay the rest and then free you from that and probably <laughs> be mean, able to have I a mean, summer I mean, the one, the one crowdfunding we did was so insane and i'm still so thankful and so appreciated um i never like rollerblading the whole community paid what they what they could you know like it's enough it's uh, so no, it's no, we much should, more we i could ever start ask a second for. one maybe man why not no i have another i have another idea right now not another another crowdfunding to pay back my debts but uh, another thing that i just had last night i cannot talk about it right now but keep your okay. we trust eyes you. open so so the community can get involved to make winter clash insanely better maybe like mm -hmm. the i can i can um okay i, I can, can open I the curtain a just a little bit <laughs> yeah a little bit um my idea is like winter clash right now generates a lot of money every year winter clash uh, gets around between depending on the year between 15 and 22 23000 euros benefit mm -hmm. uh, profit that money is half be used to live a little bit from it, and most of the money goes into the debts every year. Um, and we're able to run Winterclash normally, and everything is cool. But I was thinking it would be so amazing if we would have more money to start paying people to get there, like people who have maybe no sponsors anymore, but are super crazy legends, whatever, yes. like Abdil Kohlberg or there's so many names and uh, also of course to build big, bigger ramps and everything but that money is just not there because I have to put the money still into the depths so there could be and what we never had was big sponsors even though we tried a lot and we can tried I interrupt you for a second can I yes okay so really important for everyone listening to this that they don't know it's been happening over the last I don't know how many winter clashes but Jojo usually always no 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 but usually usually Jojo wants to have someone special which he thinks is important to have in that event so he tries to help that some person that that person or that team or that to be there so that the event can be better for all of us for the public for the rest of the skaters so imagine I know that it happens with a few skaters. I'm not going to name them. If he wants, he can name them. But it's important for all of you to know that, like he said, he puts some money into it. And what he's trying to say here is that he would love to be able to do that to a lot more skaters, the, one that don't have, the ones that don't have sponsors, but a lot of people would appreciate to have them there. That's it, right? Exactly. Exactly that. There's, there's some names that have never been at Winter Clash or some names that haven't been there for a lot of years. And everyone would so much love to see them there. And to be able to make it happen, we need money, of course, because most of them are not able to invest the money themselves. Yeah. So that's why I was thinking last night about what could we do. And I don't want to do crowdfunding because people are paying so much already themselves. I mean, you have to imagine if you're coming from Colombia, for instance, you have to pay the flights, the hotel. Mm -hmm. The trip is maybe even going to be longer because you, once you're in Europe, you're going to stay a little bit more. So it's a, for some, it's a trip of a lifetime. Visas are expensive to Europe, huh? I don't know if you have an idea. expensive. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I keep it's talking like about business in these things, but mm -hmm. my wife, uh, to go to from from South Africa to Europe, the amount of 
paper stuff that she needs just for people like most of the people listening to these are europeans or americans but they don't know what it is and i keep talking about visas because it seems like a basic thing we're like gifted like we just go somewhere and we can get in every country we want without any problem for like for a south african and i know that for some south americans it's the same they would need to go through like a huge pile of paper stuff and then they need to have a certain yeah. amount of money in the bank that most of the people don't have and who has five thousand euros just in the bank, just to be able to get into Europe. A lot of people need to exactly. ask someone else for money to put in the bank account, to show them the bank statement and then take the money out. These are just little things that people don't know. But sorry exactly. to interrupt that's, you. That's why I really, no, good. That's why I really, wanted, uh, really don't want to do another crowdfunding because people are already paying so much to make it happen for themselves and for everyone else. Um, and what we are always missing is big sponsors from outside of rollerblading because we have this awesome product, if you want to call it like that, Win the Clash. We have people from 40 different countries. They're all opinion leaders in their sport, in their country. And they're all there gathered. And they're all interested, highly interested in traveling, in electronics and camera equipment and so on, in music. It just, it's the perfect target group. The only thing that's not perfect is that they're blading, rollerblading. And in the past, all the companies told us, yeah, sorry, it's inline skating. We cannot do that. Only skateboarding, BMX or whatever, music, blah, blah. And... Um, I gave up somehow to finding bigger sponsors because we really tried it for 15 uh, for 14 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to do one last try this year, and the next. It's maybe it's not happening, but the idea just started developing now. So, but you I know, what you can not, you know it like social media can and be I, strong. And I wanna, exactly, exactly, and I want to use that because we have uh, 15,000 followers on Facebook and we have a good following uh, on, on Instagram and, and so on. And our engagement rate is super high compared to other people. Because we have a really strong community and everyone is really, really interested in it. And you have, a, have lot a lot of, of influencers. Likes, of That's shares. more important than that. You That's have a I lot mean. of everyone, influencers. Like you have 50,000. Everyone is getting engaged. But and check everyone this. knows people. Jojo, you have 50,000, like you said. But from those 50,000, some of them have more than 50,000. And some of them, they're... they're their followers would go crazy for what they say. You know what I'm saying? So that, that's what like, I mean. That's what I mean. So we have a lot of power, and I was I just started to think, okay, we could use it. So let's not go too much into detail, but probably in the next weeks uh, we're gonna do one last big try, and then the whole community is asked to just help with one or two clicks, and uh, let's see what happens. But that's an idea to to make it bigger. Count on um, me to spread uh, in whatever I can. You know it. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, and <laughs> for Summer Clash, the same, the same thing. For Summer Clash, like as soon, uh, as long as there's so much financial risk, um, I think it's. Let's see, but it's, I mean, I'm I'm fine with doing it in two years or in three years. Let's see what happens. Okay, and so. of course, people. people yeah. <laughs> sorry, you can go. Sorry, if you want to keep. There's just. Mm. I'm no, bad. no, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> Thanks. So <laughs> All good. Uh, okay, uh, you know it already. Like to everyone listening to this who doesn't like it, I'm sorry. I just can't. This is a talk. This is not an interview. A regular interview. I keep saying the same, but that's, I need to say it because. What, but no, that that's that's what makes it special. Like it's not just an interview; it's a conversation. <laughs> Thank you. So, that, like two two pot two skate talks ago, the one with with Josh, mm-hmm. I said that you're really good at something, which is really really important, and most of us can't do it which is delegating, like telling people to do this, telling people to do that. And you learned it because I know the first winter clashes, you were going mad. Like you still go, which is normal. You have a lot of people. You have a lot of responsibility, a lot of people that need to do what you want them to do and you need to to control all that. And you do an amazing job. And for the whole inland skating, you call it rollerblading, it doesn't really matter. Community, thank you so much. But 
do you ever see like since I started with that summer clash thing and you said you don't have the time but if we if we skating community start being able to make that money through winter clash or if winter clash starts making money through through the rollerblading inline skating community for summer clash will you be able to to ever delegate someone else to do the event or you think you won't you will never be able to open your end of that to for mm, someone else to do it? no i already started thinking about it to give it away or at least um be not as present. somehow part of it and delegate delegate but not as present and have someone i'm already talking to uh, someone from from uh, to a friend but the prob biggest problem is that um i don't want to sound cocky or stupid or arrogant but the biggest problem is that a lot of people are doing events in rollerblading kind of freestyle just the way i did it the first five six yes. seven years yes very freestyle and summer clash and winter clash are both at a level where it's really important to um to stick to the rules the rules that are set by the government yes and otherwise you, that you, means if you burn it you'll never be able to do anything again exactly you personally and the company and also you destroy it. the venue maybe and you cause a lot of drama for a lot of people so and a lot of people have the feeling that diy is the real shit and as soon as you stick to the rules you're too commercial or not real or whatever but both events summer clash and winter clash are at the level where you just really need to stick to it otherwise you are Nah, you're destroying that, yourself and a lot cocky. of other stuff i don't think that's being yeah cocky. and that's... and and but but i didn't find a lot of people who are able to understand it or who are willing to follow that or if they understand it which is which probably a lot of people can understand it but not not a lot of people have experience with it so i need someone who's really who's as passionate about blading as we are and at the same time understands what it takes to do an event professionally while sticking to all the rules because amount x of people means you need an amount x of medi medical guys you need an amount x of fire guys you need an amount x of security guys and all the stuff all of that stuff so it has to be someone who is really sticking to the rules who knows the, the locals who speaks german because it's in summer clash that's uh, exactly in, what in, i was going to say Germany. you need a german <laughs> from exactly. what you said all, you need a german <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is I, i'm not saying yeah. this in a bad way like yeah. germans are known for being strict And you need someone strict, yeah. so you need the German. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah, so the idea is around, but uh, we never like so far. We, I mean, the, the comfortable, comfortable thing for myself is that I really, I decided at some point that I don't want to pressure it. Like, if it doesn't feel right, I just don't do it. Why should we pressure it and just do it because we really need to do summer cash? Of course, people are requesting it. But it's one thing people are asking on it on Facebook, hey, where is Summer Clash? The other thing is people really showing up. Because in 2013 and 14, people were really asking for Summer Clash as well. But then in the end, we only had, I mean only, but we had uh, six, seven hundred people there, which was a little bit too little to make it financially successful or stable to be able to pay everything. Of course. So there's one thing people requesting it, and the other thing is people really showing up. Because you have to, you have to see Winter Clash is in the middle of, winter there's not much going on and it's that one date per year where everyone can agree on in the summertime you have a lot of other events that are important as well people are going there you have uh, different vacation times you have pe people are on vacation so there's automatically less people showing up because our scene is so small that to make it really big almost everyone has to show up okay that so that's sense. another that's another that's another point that makes sense 
Okay. Skating wise, let's go skating. Let's let's now just put the event on the side a little bit. Yeah. A lot of people just to, just to make sure in okay. the in, in the end, um, summer clash is always in 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 my mind, and we're always thinking about it, and it will probably happen at some point again. Just when we cannot tell. Maybe it's 2018. Maybe 19. Maybe. 2020, you you got some financial problems so after that if you can pay the debt with the with that new idea that you had probably then we'll no, with, the, with the new idea the money is not going into debts at all like debts are going to be paid no, no, but what slowly, i'm trying to say slowly, is but it, yeah what i'm trying to say is yeah i get it it's not going to debt. you want to invest more on winter clash but if you if yeah. you invest more in winter clash probably there will be more profit and if there's more profit then you can pay the debt and you can invest on summer clash it's a whole like yeah. a, like a cake The, we, let's call yeah, it the clash let's, cake. <laughs> let's <laughs> yeah, let's see what happens. Let's see. I mean, all the all the money. I mean, not want to generate more profit. I want to generate more money that I, that can be used right away to make winter clash better. But in the end, the profit will be the same um, because we're still going to have the same expenses. So okay. just a bonus, a bonus cake, let's say. Okay. But of course, I understand that just maybe a there's topping. a pain reaction. Just a different yeah. topping. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. so skating. You mm-hmm. you were and I don't know when was the last time that you skated, but I know that you were amazing. Like you had like something that skating needed and still needs, and more and more and more. You look at skating differently. And the first day I met you, you had like some how, how can I say like some self confidence problems. Not in skating because you were and you still are amazing. So for people that don't know the brand Roches, you used to be one of the only. Roches skaters before Valo, before Roches being cool. So I remember no. you were in Vienna and Roches was paying for your food and for your traveling. Basically, you would pay, you'd give them the slips, and would, basically, you were a pro skater for not pro like with a salary, I don't know, but for Roches. And that was like before Roches being cool. Then, mm-hmm. when Valo first started, and when you, I think it was after the first winter clash. When Valo started, they made right a tour before, in Europe. Right before, yeah. Yeah. When Valo started, they made a tour in Europe right away. I was with them for some of the time, and then I remember that John and Eric Bailey and John Star too. They were at the first winter clash. That's amazing that you got them in that first event. Awesome. But yeah, the totally, truth is, totally, yeah. I saw you skate all that time, and I saw you evolving and getting better and better and better. And the last time I saw you skate was in Portugal. You have something that I don't know how to explain. Like you have, like in skateboarding, would be pop. Like the way you jump that high. <laughs> like I don't know. Like a kangaroo. Like I don't even know. But it's yeah, for it's me. Like it's sad that I don't. I don't see you skate. I know that you made like a little. You made a text about it that you weren't feeling that passionate about it anymore. Whatever. The question right now is: Where do you feel? How do? In where? I don't know. How do you feel about skating right now? In like that passion, that work, that whatever. Where do you feel? Where do you see your skating going now? Is are you ever mm, going to go skate? Are a, you ever skate again? Um, I can't even remember when I put on my skates the last time. It might be at Winter Clash last year in the in the construction days for half an hour or something. Mm-hmm. It's really weird because um, for 
almost 20 years i was yeah bleeding so much you, and please. then i need to interrupt yeah. you right now please i need mm -hmm. to so i'm supposed to go to ranger clash this year we'll talk about it later that doesn't matter but please promise me that i can film like a little video with you skating this year please that's all i can ask <laughs> you i just some maybe, exclusive maybe, stuff maybe if the, if the park if the park is still empty maybe yeah no no before <laughs> before the, it doesn't matter you can just skate flat yeah, i can yeah. take you outside we skate outside doesn't really matter yeah. just promise me <laughs> we can please. do that yeah we can i can promise okay that. okay okay now yeah. keep going no i'm not gonna interrupt you sorry guys yeah. <laughs> um, um yeah so i was skating a lot and the peak was probably when i was living at the ignition valley and working for ignition skate shop because we had our own skate park um, right next to the office and right where we are all living. And it was the perfect skate park. We could skate every day. We could do whatever we want. And we were traveling so much with ignition we were skating every day. It was all about that. And before that, of course, I was skating all the time as well for Rogers, for Valo, for myself. Mm. And it got what you said about the self-confidence in the beginning. Um, it took me a couple of years to get to a point where I could uh how you say where where i understood my own skating or where i accepted mm -hmm. my own skating because i always did did it the way i wanted it i just wanted to skate fast and jump high and fly and all the stuff without doing too much flips or crazy mm -hmm. technical grinds or whatever but i was listening too much to people who didn't understand it it's the same like now people are now everyone is pitching about blading is too small or the tricks are too small and a while ago, everyone was hating that hammers are too big and all the stuff. Dude, and if they put their energy, I, instead of complaining in, in their own stuff, it doesn't matter what it is. If they put their energy yeah. other than talking bad, we're going somewhere. Of course, but it's always, there's <laughs> always going to be people, there's always going to be people just talking shit for the, for the sake of talking shit. And it took me a while, a couple of years to understand that it doesn't matter and that it's really just about what I feel. But I was listening way too much to people, even in my, in my, in my, even my friends were like joking about it even if they understood it and i took the joking and everything much way too personal and i was always bummed with my own skating even though i was winning competitions and had video blah blah all the stuff and once i understood it i had fun and everything was cool and then i focused on filming went to a lot of events and always wanted to be good there and put a lot of pressure on myself and never because i'm very competitive maybe too much <laughs> with everything with everything i do even also with doing events and everything i really want everything i do i really want to do proper and it was very hard for me just to go somewhere and enjoy myself skating i always wanted to show everyone or and myself that i'm good yeah and at some point it got to a point where we were when we started filming uh, for a video in uh, a german a german skate video called uh, here we are from benjamin Butner, who later uh, made all our winter clash edits and we started filming and it was supposed to be a really awesome video with like acting and a lot of interviews in it, kind of a documentary with sections with play parts. And I started filming and at some point we were filming one day and I couldn't land a, a really terrible small trick. I just couldn't land it. And I freaked out so much that I, in that moment I stopped skating more or less. Like I put off my skates and told the <laughs> film, okay, that's it, I'm out. That, that the project for me is not going to happen. I'm not going to film any clip anymore. Because I got to a point where I only did it for a camera or for a competition. Yeah, we spoke and about I, that so, when and I was I, in Berlin with you, like two yeah, and years I, and ago. I, and I realized, I realized that in that moment, I realized, like, fuck, for the last couple of years, I'm only, I'm not doing it for myself anymore. So I lost, the, I just truly lost the fun in skating myself. And ever since, it never came back. That's the weird part. 
even now when I put on my skates, just close surrounding of friends after five five minutes or ten minutes, the fun is gone and it's not interesting for me anymore. And it's really weird because I cannot, I don't I have no idea why that is. It's just the okay. case. Like, I, did you ever thought about like I'm not saying like man, I know that you have some of the best skaters over there, but the people around you, the pe- the way people look at skating, the the way people want to look on skating, and all that stuff, it, it might influence you, like. Man, I've been learning a lot because Since I, mean, I have, I have Dominic Africa. here, and Dominic, Dominic is skating exactly the way I love it. Like it's just I have the perfect yeah, environment here with all the people. And I know that what, what I'm missing, attitude? what I'm missing is, yeah, but what I'm missing is a skate park. I think because I'm, I, I was never a fan of grinding down a handrail, walking up the stairs, grinding down a handrail again. I'm, I was always a fan of cruising around. I need space and ramps or, or, or bumps or banks or whatever. And Berlin is the Ter- most terrible place in the world for that. Because Jojo, where's your have... big wheels? Yeah, <laughs> no, but that's also not what I like. I just I, maybe I was too spoiled because of the Ignition Skate Park because that was just perfect, a perfect setting, an empty big skate park where I can just be as fast as possible. Dude, but what you and just told me that I'm missing now. What you just told me, you want to cruise, feel the wind, feel the tra- like. If you get big wheels, I'm not trying to sell something here. I'm just like it's the truth. Like you can actually enjoy skating completely different. You know it. I had this conversation with you like three, four, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe like of, five, six years ago. Yeah. You know, little, I, I told you I couldn't. Mm-hmm. Like the thing is, the way I used to see skating was only like going big, like not mean going big but like people create an image around you and somehow i would need to do like a negative acid on a bigger rail and with a bigger drop or a back savannah or uh, uh. like something always bigger 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 or you suck and it took me a while to understand that doesn't really matter and i'm not a circus clown so the truth is yeah you might call me a circus clown because i make videos every single day but i do what i want so it's my own circus you pay the ticket if you want if you don't Go to another circus. I don't really care. The truth is we need to do it because we want it. That's why I always end my videos the same way. We shouldn't forget why we all started. And I keep saying the same. It doesn't matter who he is. Like when I'm sure when one of us put the skate for the first time, we were laughing. It, you might have been scared. You might have been like a mix of mo- emotions. But I'm sure that you were happy. And that's why you kept doing it. And that's why you got so good. And I need to tell you, you were like amazingly good and you had like an amazing eye for Thank finding you. spots where no one else would. So before everyone doing those thread the needles, you were you, you were doing thread the needles before everyone else in huge places. And like those mad spin into tricks, the kind grinds, like, yes, you weren't that that technical when it comes to grinds because you never tried it. You could do them all. It's just like the way that you chose I did to it. Skate. I did it once. I, did, I once started going technical just to prove everyone. Yeah, I know. I know that funny, you can... Funny, uh, funny, funny times in the Ignition Skate Park because Leo uh, always told me that I suck and that I'm not good at in, in technical tricks and everything. And Or a lot of people told me and then I was like, okay, I'm going to prove them wrong. And then for, for See, two weeks that or was something, I was training, I was training I really say. hard and then... And then I beat Gabriel Hayden in the Grindbox session at the Grindbox competition <laughs> at the New Year's at the New Year's event at the Ignition Skate Park. I'm Dude, so, why do you need to be uh, so competitive? <laughs> Let me tell you something. That's that's you said two words there, like you were proving and you were training. And for me, yeah. that's like, yeah, training should happen when it comes to speed skating. But that's like there's mm-hmm. times you wanna go you wanna go faster and all that. Other than that, what we should do is having fun. And that's that's the most important and a lot of times you lose it. So yeah. I keep saying the same. That's why I've been loving all these big wheels, small wheels, whatever. I just do whatever I want, and I'm so blessed to be able to do what I want. So basically, going back to that conversation, it took me a while to understand that. And it 
the reason why I started riding bikes, and you know it, I, I had this conversation with you again. It's just like I started riding bikes because on skates, I would feel that I couldn't land the type of stuff that I wanted without getting hurt or injured. Like I would always be limping the next day or like a huge bump on my hip or my feet would swallow and I couldn't just do it because I made it this image in my head that skating would need to be going bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And if you didn't go bigger, you you started suck you starting to suck. So that means that your yeah. your highest level was achieved from now on is only down. But that's not true because your level of going big in tricks might go down, but your creativity, your knowledge on on your yeah, body, yeah. it's better. Like you might get fat, you might get whatever, but you know your body better. So these old, I think it's just about the fun, and I keep saying the same. So yes, yeah, tell, please let get me, back let me on tell stage. you something about the let, let me tell you something about the fun, which is um, what changed for me is that I'm in a, in the beginning I was pushing myself and putting pressure on myself like shit. Why did I lose the fun? And I really have to get it back, and I really need to get back on skates. And uh, after a while, I started realizing, or I um, I started realizing that what really is fun for me right now, and I'm not lying when I'm saying it's as much fun as skating was for me is now sitting in front of a computer and creating stuff like creating winter clash creating the new i started a magazine for a music festival culture and sitting here doesn't matter if it's six hours a day or if it's 15 hours a day you enjoy it. it's so satisfying and i'm so joyful and it's amazing and it's everything it's all i want to do sometimes i get up in the morning and sometimes i cannot sleep anymore at six in the morning then i go and I'm just I'm at six in the morning. I'm on the way to the office, and I'm super excited about going to the office and working all day long. I know what that is, and that and that <laughs> and that's so much joy. And I started to realize that's exactly what I want to do. And it's it's pointless to push myself to be active. Like all my friends are always asking me how it's possible to be so active bodily, physically, and then from one day to the other just stop. And I always ask myself the question as well, like, okay, how is it even possible? Why am I not missing it? But my exchange for that is working on the stuff I love to work on now. And that really gives me the exact same joy. And then I started to accept it. And I was like, okay, someday maybe it will happen again and I will have fun skating. Yep. But as long as that's not the case, and if it's not coming automatically, I just don't want to push it because I don't need to push it because I'm really just super happy. satisfied working yeah. working on winter collection. I'm super happy. I'm not missing anything. Yeah. And as long as that's the case, I think uh, I'm doing totally fine. That's awesome. The, yeah. the, do, you, do you think that your connection to skating ever stopped you from growing like in life or in your projects i know that for sure like like we just said again like the 2010 winter clash like making you be in debt with banks and all that financial suffering no might have been, like, rather the opposite the opposite because everything i did in skating doesn't matter the skating itself or starting events helped me to, I mean, it's the, what everyone says, helped me to develop who I am today, but also it helped me figuring out what, I, what I'm good at and um, what I'm having fun doing. And last, no, yesterday, no, not yesterday, the day before yesterday, I was invited to, um, I guess, a thing called Fuck Up Nights. You probably have it in South Africa as well, and uh, it's all over the world. It's originally from Mexico, and now they have it in a lot of cities. Nights. And they always invite, um, it's happening every two months, and they invite three speakers, and the speakers tell their story of failure. Mm -hmm. it's, it's about a fuck-up, a personal fuck-up. And they tell that failure in front of 
up to three, four, five hundred people. In our case, it was three hundred people, mostly from the startup community in Berlin, and just interested people who wanted to start their own business or already failed with their own business. And I was one of the three speakers. I got invited by the organizer because um, he's the the manager of a band that I was a booker of. Mm-hmm. Um, and he heard my story and he just invited me. And it was crazy to talk about it. And it, I mean, it's rollerblading. Usually what I learned is that most people are not interested in rollerblading just because they just don't know anything about it. Uh, but I was, t- I was telling my story and it was almost standing, standing ovations. Like it was so loud and people were clapping and everyone afterwards came came to me and said oh thank you for this amazing story and i told the whole story from the fire in st nicholas then the debate in 2010 and how i still how it's still possible to make it happen and how the whole community sticks together i told the whole story and everyone freaked out totally and that was one was another proof i mean i knew it before but that was another proof that, that i did everything right in a way i mean of course i fucked up in 2010 and of course it's a shame that i'm still paying back the debts but on the other hand, it helped me so much. I mean, at every, I can go to every, I'm getting job offers every once in a while, pretty good job offers now, mm-hmm. change, because I started working in the music festival industry as well. And I'm active there. I'm working for festivals with project management. And I'm also, I started a magazine. So that made me, as a person or as a worker, more value to certain people. So I got job, job offers. and That's crazy. Um, What's crazier to me, you know what it is? Is that for mm-hmm. people that don't, don't know, like, there's a lot of people out there studying to be able to organize events. You never studied anything. It's all natural. It's not, obviously not all natural. You had to, to search a lot to, to try, like you said, trying, and sometimes you go with failure. But the truth is you never went to school for that, and you're like organizing stuff. I guess you're like one of the best that I know. Did you went to school for that? Tell me. Maybe I'm saying. No, anything. no, no. I went. Um, I was when I was when I started the small events in Dresden. Uh, my dream was to become an event manager, and I wanted to go to school for that or study it. But my my grades. Uh, is it grades? My notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah grades. Yeah, I, I was just I was too too bad, so I couldn't. So no one would take me as a, I couldn't take an education. You weren't working on your passion. When you work on your passion, just like you said, you become good because you search. Man, yeah. I keep saying this. I mean, uh, my, my grades were too bad. So that's why I had to take a job uh, and uh, um, an apprenticeship in a <laughs> shoe store as a salesman. And then I, <laughs> at some point, two, month, two months before, the, before finishing it, after two and a half years, I realized, okay, that's not what I'm going to do with my life. I'm just going to stop. I'm going to do Winter Clash and put all on that one card. That's it. Without working, without, yeah, that's it. And then it totally paid off. I mean, going to a job interview for, for, for project management or event management, the first thing they ask you if you're stress resistant, if you can handle stress. And then if I tell them the story about 2009 moving the, skate, moving the event um, in 24 hours to another skate park, the deal is done. Everyone yeah. will take me. Like that's, and, and, and I mean, everyone I tell the story, they freak out, you know? So I learned so much with everything. And also doing the event in Berlin, even though it failed miserably financially, financially, it was still a proper produced event. And that's something I can show. And now I'm working at festivals. I can prove that I'm really good in doing that stuff. So now I'm getting job offers, which I'm refusing to do because I still want to do my own stuff. But I'm at the point where I'm very kind of comfortable because I know I could work in a proper job if I ever need it. That's and cool. that's, uh, yeah, that happened. Okay, so you said something that I'm going to need to make a little introduction and then I want you to talk a little bit about it. 2009 Winter Clash. I wasn't there. I couldn't go that year. But that was supposed to be in Belgium. And then one day before the event, the whole skate park burned. 
was that yeah, you're gonna explain us what happened there if you know whatever but the, the question also is was that how you you heard about the skate park in Eindhoven was that your first contact with that skate park to do the no winter? no no the, <laughs> the, the funny part is we went um, we stayed like the event was supposed to happen in St. Nicholas in Belgium, Belgium. Mm -hmm. and uh, in St. Nicholas we couldn't find an apartment for the whole crew because we needed the, uh, needed space for 12 people to prepare everything for two weeks in a row so we got an apartment in Ghent which is half an hour or 20 minutes on the highway from St. Nicholas and we always stayed there And the weekend before Winter Clash was supposed to happen, um, there was a pre-event. It was, uh, I think it was, uh, what was it called? Um, Roll, shit, organized by Oli Nermerich and Mike Lejewski. Okay. They had their sessions. They had, it was oh, a that, that grind out series. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Roll together, something like that? Roll together, sorry, yeah. yeah. So sorry for getting the name. Roll yeah. together. was happening as a kind of a pre-event in Eindhoven. So we, the whole crew took a day off from uh, preparing winter questions in Niklas and we went from Ghent to Eindhoven to the pre-event. And when I left the building in Eindhoven on the way out, the park owner was joking with me. Hey, next year you're going to do winter clash here, huh? And I was like, yeah, for sure. Next year we're going to call you. We're just joking about it, you know? Like he was like, <laughs> hey, we, we have a cool skate park as well. And then uh, on Thursday before winter clash, we were on the highway to St. Niklas and Philip Forstner called me. And he was like, hey, your skate park is burning. I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. No way. Call, call, call. I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. Call I can see bye Philip bye. doing it so easy. Yeah, like. And then, and then, and then, um, and then I was like, yeah, sure. He just was joking. And then three weeks, three minutes later, he called me again. And he was like, yo, yo, for real, the skate park is burning. And then in the background, I could hear sirens. I could hear helicopter already. And we could see from kilometers away, we could see... The, the, the smoke, smoke yeah. and it was yeah and it was <laughs> obvious okay something is going on and while everyone in the car was kind of blacked out and we were like oh shit um i knew that winter clash still has to happen because at that time more than thousand rollerbladers from 40 countries were on the way to belgium already mm -hmm. so it has something has to happen anyways so my reaction was right away getting that phone calling that guy <laughs> uh, <laughs> calling eindhoven And uh, yeah, what about Winterclash tomorrow? <laughs> and <laughs> he was like, yeah, let, let me call you back. Si si uh, Simon Simon was uh, managing Eindhoven, uh, mm -hmm. RF51 back then. And I was like, yo, Simon, let's do it tomorrow. And he's like, yeah, let me call you back. <laughs> and three minutes later, he called me back and he was like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> Crazy. And wait, 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 wait. And how did people move from Belgium to... How did you deal with mm. it? It happened... Um, when the fire happened, most of the people were on their way, which means they were landing in Amsterdam airport or they were in trains or okay. in buses or cars. And not so many were uh, in Belgium already. They were Because it was in the morning. They were on okay. the way to arrive in Belgium in the daytime or the next day. So I called up Robert, which is uh, the graphic designer of Winterclash and also my mm -hmm. partner in crime when it comes to everything. And uh, we set up an emergency flyer. And it was the first and only time that all media worked together at once. Like no one complained about not being a presenting sponsor, a presenting media partner, or whatever. Mm -hmm. They all just worked together. Everyone posted it. One, BMAC, Roller News, all the small websites in every country. Everyone posted it right away, and it spread so fast. And people at home were seeing it and forwarding it to their friends, which were on the way already. It happened so fast that when we arrived in Eindhoven, because we went from the highway, we went quickly to the fire for 10, 15 minutes, 
And then we continued driving to Eindhoven. And when we got to Eindhoven, there was already more than 100 people in the skate park <laughs> waiting for us. Crazy. So some of them, some of them made it even before us because they were on the way from Eindhoven, uh, from Amsterdam somewhere. <laughs> so the word spread, it spread so much and it was so insane. And, and so did you surreal. have any troubles like um, people that already had their paying for their <laughs> hotels and stuff like that? Did they got the refund? No, no one. The funny thing is the after party was still in uh, still in Belgium. So a lot of people were in the in the even in the evening people so, were still going back to Belgium to their hotel and then to the after party. <laughs> it was okay. pretty insane and no one complained and because it was obvious that yeah. if we're going to do it we're going to do it all together. Yeah, it's not a, not your fault. That's amazing. Yeah. That's like an amazing story. That's just that's just yeah. the power <laughs> of skating. Like like yeah. You did something amazing there. Anyway. Now, going further future where do you see yourself where do you see yourself and the contest and skating in 10 years it's a little bit too much but <laughs> mm, 10 years is really a little bit too much i don't know mm. let's do five next year let's, go five. Be... let's go five okay let's go five mm, totally not sure next year winter clash it will be the 15th winter clash mm -hmm. and of course every once in a while i'm playing with the idea of okay 15 would be a good date to let it end but mm -hmm. then on the other hand there's no point of letting it end as long as it feels good and as long as people really want to go there and for me the rule number one or for everyone involved rule number one is always especially robert and myself the graphic designer um we always said as long as it's fun for ourselves and as we if we are able to keep it interesting with certain side events with all this kind of stuff there's no point of letting it go so we will continue doing it as long as it's fun for ourselves and of course as long as people are attracted to it and if people are arriving but since we're sold out every year and so many people still never went and want to go i don't see any reason to stop it anytime soon but who knows what happens i don't want to be too too strict about it let's see what happens But um, yeah, it looks like it's gonna go on for a couple of more you, years. Do you see the change, the format change somehow? Like, because you know, like mm. the skating is changed. Like, what I mean that is like skating is some is changing a lot. Like you said, like there's a lot of smaller tricks. There's a lot of bigger wheel stuff. Do you see any changes in the format happening because of the way skating is changing, or it's we can always adapt? Like we always adapt to it. For instance, in three years ago when cj won with a huge 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 wall where mm -hmm. he did the uh, instant back royal to yeah I to, uh, um the park was at that point we were always thinking okay we have to go bigger our ramps have to be much bigger and then we realized okay people first of all people don't want to go bigger anymore and second they cannot go big anymore because they don't <laughs> have the energy or they never they don't, they, they don't have the energy or they never skate an obstacle that big And also because people realized it's too dangerous. Exactly. It's too it's stupidly dangerous. So we started thinking differently. And we're like, okay, why not build a smaller park or small? Like, I mean, of course, we still always have big obstacles, but why not add a couple of small obstacles and make it more creative and much more difficult as well? And then uh, Winter Clash became more technical again, which is amazing because now people like uh, Eugen Enin, for instance, can blow everyone's minds, you know, like, yeah, with more like, like technical it would be nothing. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, technical stuff. So we can always develop, and it's also my my aim to develop a park every year, which is fun for everyone and everyone's needs. And if the needs change, and if plating changes, and the way people use obstacles, of course, Winter Clash will also change. 
And if that requires that the system is going to change and maybe there's no pro or amateur or whatever competition anymore or no heats, then so it be, you know. So I'm totally open to it's That's the fun I'm having, developing new stuff. It's so boring to do the same event two times in a row. So I'm having fun developing it in new directions it and was cool. meeting. It was cool something that Josh did on the last Winter Clash and he said it and I know that you heard it too, like about um, the camps, the Blade camp yeah. that he's doing. So is there any more projects for stuff like that to happen? Like not just creating mm. an event where people go there to compete or to have fun, like you said, but also creating new skaters? Because you already have that stuff where like that little market where people can go and buy their skates. If people don't have skates and if they know about skating, they know that they can go to the Winter Clash and there will be like different brands with the newest products and you can get good deals that's good but is there any school like any um, yeah we're like that's that's really the one thing that i really want to do with winter clash is putting like building something around it making it a proper festival i mean we always did that but um i think this year we're going to do it more than ever of course we want to do a kids camp again and we are already uh, josh and me already agreed that we're going to do something and we're going to start talking what exactly it's going to be but it's going to be a kids camp because I really feel that what Josh did with professionalizing the kids' camp thing was one of the best things that happened to Blading in the last five, five to ten years. That's awesome. It's really amazing. So I really, really want to do something with that. And also, because last last uh, last time at Winter Clash we announced it and worked too late, so not that many people could do it anymore. So maybe this year we want to do it one or two weeks. Maybe we can do it in another skate park a little bit far away from Eindhoven, but then the kids camp will have exclusive access to the skate park before everyone else. They will be the first people to see the new ramps. They will be the first people to train on the new ramps, stuff like that. So we are thinking That's what it. to do with that. And then next to that, um, back to the motto past, present, future, we want to build more around it. We want to build, uh, we want to have panel discussions so people can join, uh, in the theater or something can sit down and watch, certain people on stage talk about blading and maybe not teach everyone, but just tell their experience, talk about their experience and talk about what's needed or what they did and what didn't work and what worked. And it's going to be different topics. Like it's going to be one topic is going to be super historical legend that shaped our sport, talking about the history and about the future of blading. And then I want to be, uh, want, really want to do uh, a girl's talk, a woman talk, mm -hmm. where just girls talking about the, the fact that girls, blading is maybe not de evolving or developing as fast as it could be i mean there's a reason there should there must be a reason somewhere that martina Svobodova or kaya turski or friedrich reich put put out street sections 10 years 15 years ago that are still better than most of the stuff coming out today but so there has also, to be a reason there also must be a reason for two of those girls that you said kaya or martina martina ended up stopped skating but it, she became a pro golfer kaya she stopped skating and she became world championship the world champion of that, skiing. That something with attitude so, and everything but still how is it possible that a lot of the girls and i really don't want to offend anyone because it's so amazing i love the girls competition at winter clash it's mm -hmm. super amazing and i don't want to offend anyone but still it's a little bit too visible that a lot of the people in the girls comp are doing the same tricks every year and there's no development in it and i started to talk i started to talk about it with uh, mary Munoz. mary is actually um, evolving a, like developing a lot yes huh? exactly she's one of them pushing pushing the limits right now and I, I, we talked quickly 
we talked quickly at the ghetto games this year in uh, in latvia which is a super amazing event by the way and we started talking about it and i developed the idea that i really want to do a girls talk where we address that topic in a very honest way because i feel everyone is afraid to talk about it and everyone is but i think i think it's cool to address it and let them talk about it like what's the reason that because of course you can i mean there was this one moment when uh, montre said that the price money for girls should be higher mm-hmm. and that's a topic that we should talk about why is it that the girls are having their own category could they maybe compete in pro or why are they not having a bigger price money and stuff like that and it's all issues that i really want to discuss and why not do it in a panel discussion where everyone can join and get involved that's so nice. that's that's one topic i want to touch on and then i want to do a, a panel with juniors only where the juniors talk about their experience their view and blading they can tell what what their view in our history is because a lot of stuff they don't know they never they never had a daily bread magazine or something like that so, <laughs> so i really want to yeah really i really want to hear what what their what their view and blading is and that's uh yeah one of the main things that i'm super excited about for next year's winner just to make that happen and get people on stage talking and everyone can listen and maybe we film it and put it somewhere and uh, maybe you get involved and do the interviews and stuff like that. <laughs> Can we talk um, about that? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> that's an idea, yeah. That's, uh, that's because there's, I mean, I really love the way you do interviews. So why not put you on stage with, with I mean, we did it. We started last year with the, with the Lino's plating, uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the quiz. The plating quiz. Yeah, which was an amazing start, but I really want to use you <laughs> because you're amazing. <laughs> thank you, no, thank you. The no, thing is like, I just really want to, yeah. It's just like, man, I'm doing something that I love and I don't hide that from anyone. And I guess that yeah. that's somehow starting to pay off like with people recognizing it. And if we can talk about it. So basically me and Jojo have been talking about me going to Interclash this year to do something different. We can't really say what it is, but soon he's going to put something out there saying what exactly the is only thing The only thing I can tell right now is that I'm in contact with some being incredible people big from names. all three from <laughs> big names from all three categories we just talked about juniors girls and historical people pros legends so we can talk to them and we are still trying to figure out how much money we can spend on it also depending on next week's or the, what happens in the next week's with the other activity i mentioned before we still need to figure out how much money we can put in it and then how we can make it happen but it looks like it's going to be insane and it's going to be awesome and uh, i'm very happy that you are a part of it because i think you're one of the persons with the most knowledge of plating ever <laughs> uh, i wouldn't call it knowledge man i would call it more like passion like i, I know there's like there used to be like there's people out no, there the passion the passion is out of question the passion is out of question because you're so passionate about everything you do but then also you know so much stuff that so many people don't know i mean remember the quiz last year is uh, insane. Yeah, there was two guys, and there was two guys like Josip knew everything. Mm-hmm. Josip mm-hmm. knew everything. Josip, Josip and Freddy, Josip and Freddy, the two. Yes. Uh, but two there's only one guy that I know that could beat them, and that is mean. Who's that? Mean, mean Emery. Yeah, he's <laughs> dude. Yeah, he's <laughs> okay. Let's talk about mean. Have you seen the video that I made with Min? Like the big yeah. little thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, following, I'm following everything. He disappeared for so many years and now all of a sudden he's there again and blowing everyone's mind. He is amazing. So that's why, yeah. like, that's that's the type of stuff that I could imagine you doing differently, of course, yeah, but I could yeah. imagine you just skating, like, using everything. Like, he's using just flat, but I can see you doing, like, I don't know. 
Yeah. Barcelona is a, is a skate park, like everyone says. It's super cliche, but the truth is, you know it. There's ramps everywhere. Yeah, There's totally. flat banks totally. everywhere. And if you have like the, yeah. the proper gear to just cruise around the city, I know that you could do like crazy stuff without yeah, yeah, without totally. thinking of any without thinking of going crazy. Just being yourself, you know, just enjoying it. Yeah, yeah. I know the city. It's just freaking amazing and perfect for that. That's and what you, I said. Like, did you ever Berlin thought of moving? Did you ever thought of moving? Winter Clash mm. to a, like um, I know it's a, it's called Winter Clash should be in a cold place but did you ever thought of moving it not even to any other continent I was even going to ask you to like a different country like I know that skating in Poland is growing and Nirek and Bladeville and those guys are making they're doing an amazing job in Spain it's also like it's it's in a, it's in a good condition if we can say it so mm -hmm. did you ever thought of moving the winter clash to any of those locations or even to I don't know, somewhere else we thought about it a lot of times but mm, uh, especially because what happened 2010 and 2009 i'm really afraid of taking risk and moving it anywhere else would be a risk because there's so much uncertain factors in first of all you have that amazing skate park which is big enough to fit that many people And a lot of skate parks, even if they're as big as Eindhoven in size, they're not allowed to hold that many people because there's too many ramps everywhere and people have no space to stand. Okay. So it's the perfect location for that. And we have the freedom to build stuff and the, the, the whole team at IR51 is amazing to work with. So that's the first part. It's very, it's so far it was impossible for us to find a skate park where we can fit that many people, which is the most important point. Also, Amsterdam has the best airport to fly into from all parts of the world. Really so cheap. you need a location it's really cheap and it's super international so you need an you need a good airport which you would have in barcelona of course mm -hmm. but you need an airport which is easily to reach and from there you need a very good skate park which is big enough to fit everyone and with a team that is good to work with because a lot of skate parks are still so stuck in the 90s with with their mindset about skateboarding and how plating is not cool that it's really difficult to work with them Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of factors that make it really difficult to you move it anywhere. You specifically indoor, right? Uh, could be outdoor as well, but then you have to, what? What are you going to do if it's raining and you have more than a thousand platers there? But at that the same time, so somehow being indoor creates that vibe. That's what I'm saying. Like, because exactly like, well. right it's now all, you can, you can charge package. people to 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 get in and to to pay all that, and that and that's how also you can get. To profit in the end and you can invest on next year's in winter yeah, clash and yeah. you can leave and all that if you do it outdoor it's most of the parts would be hard to yeah to i think it would be unfair to winter clash and to maybe to to the whole scene to play with it because what we have is amazing and it's super super nice and super secure to do it so why um, play with it and maybe destroy what we have yes would be would be stupid in a way so i mean of course every year people are crying that they want to have Mühlhausen back or they want to have another skate park but what we're doing right now is safe and we are sure we can do it for a couple of more years so why destroy that you know why take any risk of destroying it and spreading i, I prefer I spreading prefer, like into a series or something like that um, yes but then it would take so much time and also the energy would be lost because it's all about that one place where everyone gathers Okay. If you spread it and then people having, it's easier for them to travel to an event closer to them. Maybe they're not going to the main event anymore and maybe it would change the main event. So why not keep it the way it is and develop it inside? Like, like we just talked about adding panel discussions, adding camps to it and adding more around it. Maybe I'm, I'm open to 
open it up maybe to one or two weeks of uh, events. For example, Eric Droke is doing this pre-event in, in the Netherlands. In the, last year, we had a pre-event in yes, Belgium as well. I know. So the why not do more? <laughs> to World Championships, exactly. <laughs> so we could do we could do more pre-events. We could do more camps. We could build a two weeks program around it. I'm open to that as well, and also in other skate parks Can around I give it. Give you an idea. But I, yeah, let's go. <laughs> you are involved with the WRS thing, right? Mm -hmm. I never saw, and we spoke about it the last time I saw you in that bar in Berlin. Mm -hmm. I never saw an event, like an online event that had that much traction as the the WRS upload competition. Why not going mm -hmm. with something like that? Mm, and then announce the winners at Winter Clash, you mean? Yep. I'm not sure if Winterclash is the right brand to do it because wouldn't it be weird to make a Wheel Street video contest, for instance, and then call it Winterclash? Or maybe video someone else organizing it and using the Winterclash to announce something like that could probably work. That could that could that could work, yeah. That could that could work. Okay, just an idea. You know, like sometimes maybe, those yeah. ideas come into my mind, and I just need to speed them no, up there, and then maybe, maybe, somewhere. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, good, it's good, good you mentioned it because that's what I really want to do. I want to build more around it. Like the main event is the main event, but then it's super cool to have more stuff around it. And if people travel so far, why not make it a two weeks thing, you know, with video stuff, video premieres in between, all the stuff. It's true. Awesome. Video contest is a good idea. Thank you. Awesome. And the crew that you have at the Winter Clash. So I don't, mm -hmm. I, I'm sure that you saw that that I made a post on, on Facebook about it. There's some guys that you've been working for a while. One of them is Miguel. Miguel, mm -hmm. like, Miguel is like just, everyone knows Miguel from every single contest. And for, for those who, who never been to a contest where, where Miguel is the, the MC, they should know that Jojo has he been He was MC in Luzan back in the day. Yeah. See, yeah, I remember. I remember Miguel. Yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah. he speaks a lot of languages. He can interact with yeah. people. And at the same time, he can be strict when he needs to when he says stop mm -hmm. skating he, he can really get mad at people but like five minutes later he'll be partying with everyone he, he has the right attitude and if he's listening to this thank you for like every single skater i, I think i'm talking for every single skater when i say thank you yeah. but there's more let people me you, out let there me, let me tell you one thing in between really quick mm -hmm. with miguel it's um in the last couple of years Always, every year, one of the best moments for me at Winterclash was just when I got time to stand on that balcony next to the judges, watch the action, and then watch Miguel getting, when it's when it's getting hectic, Miguel is the best thing that ever happened to Winterclash when it comes to that, because people start moving, and it gets really hectic and really complicated to make the competition run, because as long as it's not the final final, We don't want people in the park because we have time pressure. We need an empty park to make the qualifications and mm -hmm. the semifinals. And Miguel, when he gets when that when that part starts, that people slowly start moving into the park and they want it to happen. They want the party to get started, but we still cannot do it yet. Miguel is so insane and it's so it's so satisfying or so I'm so proud every year and it's so man. much fun to just watch it from above. But the way he talks to people, like like you just said, the way he's strict with people but in a fun way and everyone loves them and everyone there's so much respect for each other. It's insane. I've never seen it at any other event ever that one guy is controlling a whole yes. skate park full of freaks and it's, it's still good times for everyone. Even though he's screaming to back up, everyone is still laughing about it and they're still respecting he's funny, what he says. And 
He's funny. He's he can, funny. He, 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 can, yeah. he can make you, seriously, the truth is, he can make you feel bad. He can say something yeah. funny that people yeah. will laugh at you and you don't, want to, you don't want him to make you feel bad there. So exactly. he will yeah. do exactly what he wants. So he's really smart with whatever yeah. he does. So I love it. Yeah. <laughs> But, But I'm sure there's guy, more. Like, there's, there's two, two people like, that, that make that created moments for me during the event itself is Miguel and then um, the Park Ranger team with the leader Lee I don't know if you know Lee I know Lee of course I know Lee yeah of course yeah and uh, like also watching him in action is insane like It's amazing I mean, every year we have uh, every year we have new people like David for instance from, uh, from from Berlin as well he joined the team last year and Tyrek and uh, I think also from from uh, from from Portugal to, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know João yeah. João Flat yeah exactly yeah. yeah so we have an amazing team and, and Pulga, then Lee yeah, there's a few guys Yeah, no. yeah, and Lee is leading the team, and it's so amazing to watch him as well, like cruising with his big wheels, being so on point, always being in the but middle. But he's friendly, never and it's crazy. It's crazy. Friendly, he, he's friendly, but people understand. Yeah, that's it. He's yeah, and and watching that whole action, watching that whole movement of people with Miguel, Lee, and his crew in between is is kind of like uh, sometimes it feels like watching an orchestra, like watching a huge concert <laughs> orchest or orchestrated by by. By a bunch of people in the middle of the park controlling a crowd that actually cannot be controlled which is so much fun to watch and how does it yeah, feel old? how do you feel about it it's just like because you know like you know everyone knows that you know <laughs> that thing is there because of you like how, how does it feel like I, i don't want you to feel pressure but at the same time i understand like how does it feel like to to know the whole skating world looks at your event as thing it is the thing so how does it feel like amazing i mean of course but it's what is important to me is that people put it away from me and like i mean of course it's me who started and everything but there's so many people involved to do it and also the like i just said the crew that i'm working with for a lot of years it's it's, it's the best crew ever and everyone is the reason that it's happening and then Even bigger than that is the people who save up money for years and years to just be there once and just enjoy it. And that's what makes Winter Clash so insane and so great. So I'm just there really, of course, really proud, but then also really thankful that people just take it and make it make it to something. Like Because everyone who's in the building makes it to people who draw signs, people who dress up. People who just skate like crazy. People that's who just crazy. get drunk. That's crazy. That crew. What's the name of that? Those guys. Do you have, do you have a name for those they're guys? From, they're they're from England, and it all started with uh, a guy called Ben having his bachelor party at the Winter Clash. So his dad and his friends they came and they dressed up like farmers, and that was their bachelor party um, because he was about to get married. And <laughs> then people freaked out so much about it that they from then on they just started doing it every year. And It's now amazing. every year, no one. It's crazy because no one knows who they're going to be or who they're going to be dressed up like. <laughs> I think they're going to be Eugen this year. Who do you think they're going to be? Yeah, but it has to be someone who is easy to or yeah, easy Eugen, to Eugen visualize. Eugen is easy, man. Uh, like, think yeah. about it. They, they did Farmer. They did Richie. Richie they CJ. did Montre. CJ. They need to do Eugen now. Or, or Alex. Or Brosco. They yeah. can do it, but Brosco is not coming. That's the only thing. Is yeah, Brosco coming? someone who's there. No, no. I mean, not not that I know. Okay, let's is, see. Is there any big name that people can expect this year that they never saw there? I oh. will not announce anything yet. Okay, but there's uh, very big names <laughs> in the talks right now. Okay, okay, that's really yeah. cool. 
Okay, yeah. I think we're coming to an end. We've been talking for one hour and 25, 26 minutes. And if I can keep Oops. it under... No, it's all good. If I can keep it under yeah. 90 minutes, which is one hour and 30 minutes, yes, I do mm -hmm. know it. <laughs> if I can keep it <laughs> under 90 minutes, it'd be amazing. So do you want to cool. say anything else? Um, just thank you to everyone for just staying with us and coming every year and putting all that effort, effort into it. And also... Um, if anyone is interested in it, or not that everyone, yeah. One thing I want to say is that we need more engagement. People need to because back in the day, if there was no event, we just did it, and now there's so little events and nothing is happening. So people need to start getting involved again and make it happen themselves. And even if it's just doing a small event in your local hometown, do it. Even if it's just a small block or website, or whatever, just do it and make it happen. And if you have any questions, I'm sure. You can ask anyone in Lino. You can, you can, it's the time. Yeah, I mean, you you can write Lino. You can write myself. You can write a lot of the people involved are mm -hmm. super happy to to give their information and to give their knowledge away okay. to everyone to make it better. So just start getting involved more. And thank you to everyone who is already involved. <laughs> thank you so much, Ajay. I keep saying the same, which is now it's the time. You said you already had one here that you said it's time, but it's it is time. Like it is time for. For all of us, like a lot of people complain about how small, how big, or whatever. It doesn't really matter how it goes because, like Josh said, we shouldn't say some things because we're just attracting those bad things. The truth is, it's time now. It's always time. If we believe in something, if we want something, we should go for it. Either if it's like organizing an event, starting a brand, going to like making a skate trip, starting a video, starting a vlog, starting whatever. It's time. It's always time. If we if we want, if we like something, it's always time. So. Yeah, let, let me say one, one last thing that I thought about this morning is a lot of people are always complaining that blading is getting smaller and smaller and things are getting worse and worse and no one is doing anything anymore. And what I just said with people need to get involved is simply because the people who are still in it and are owning the companies that are out there and are owning the media that is out there and are doing events that are out there for a lot of time already, they all all of us, we did so much and we tried everything that's possible in the last 20 years. We tried everything from competition series, video series, magazines, everything. We tried everything already. We, there were so many industry meetings. Everyone was sitting together at the same table talking about how can we save plating. And we tried so many different things. And some of them worked, some of them didn't. But that's the reason that all of these people who were involved for so many years already are not that active anymore because they tried everything already i mean john julio look at john julio he did everything that is possible to do in blading for so many years already he's not going to start another video series to compete maybe he is i don't know mm -hmm. but he, why would he start something else if he tried everything before and not enough people got involved but times change so i have a different opinion about change. that i think times so, change no, 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 sometimes but, but, I think, but, but, but i think let me let me finish okay it's not i think that people are complaining that ah, all those people are not doing anything more anymore and people at companies they're only waiting until it's over but i think it's not up to them anymore because they did everything they could already it's up to new people to start something new as well and all the people who are involved for a lot of years already they will be super happy to join and help and make it happen but it's up to a new generation, and that's exactly what we're missing because the old generation tried everything a thousand times already. 
Mm-hmm. I have, I have mixed feelings opinion. about that, which is like I truly understand and I truly, truly respect what you are saying. And I know that some of those, like I respect a lot with John Julio is doing, like with the with the event that he organizes every year and all the well, stuff that he did, the IMYT, all the crazy stuff that he did. Like, But at the same time, yes, like you said, I also think that we need all the newest generation to to do their own things, to start their own things, to, but more important than anything else. And this is super cliche and it's everywhere right now. Persistence is the most important thing. And a lot of times that's what we need more. In It doesn't matter if it's a skate legend. And I'm not, I'm not saying that John Joel is not doing it. Not like that because he's amazing and he's been doing better than... I would say 99.9% of everyone else in skating. He's done everything. Yeah, I know, I know. What I'm trying to say here is that a lot of times, and I'm not talking about it, I'm talking about in general, we need persistence. We need people to be able to, to deal with failure and not giving up after because that, that's what happens a lot of times. And that's, you are a perfect example of how, how you should deal with that differently you deal with like a big mistake, like a big financial mistake that we spoke about it over the last 90 minutes and you went over it and the whole world, the whole skating world tried to help you and we did. And that's why I said we should probably try to get another one of those helps and just try to take you out of it and probably be clean again to, you deserve it. And like you, probably there's more people out there that would like to do the same. So the most important thing when it comes to all this is persistence. We should, if we believe in something, let's go for it. Just don't give up on the first no. No, don't give up and professionalize yourself. Get in, like, read about stuff. Read a book about marketing. Want to run a company and read. I mean, look at Adam Johnson, for instance. He did it the right way. He did, he's doing videos for so many years. And then he just, with that and everything, they just started to professionalize their self and do it a little bit more proper. Maybe read something about marketing and do it better than you did it before. That's also not just do yes. it, but do it good. Yeah, and deal, have the, deal have with the, failure have, or, or deal with yeah. success the right way. Even if you, because sometimes you're, you're lucky. <laughs> sometimes you're lucky the first time. That doesn't mean you're going to be lucky the second time. So like you said, read yeah. about it, learn about it. Yeah, Okay. exactly. Yeah, that's, that's why we want to do the panel discussions. And I'm looking forward to have everyone there talking and getting involved. Perfect. Thank you so much, Jojo. I think we're done for now, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank, thank you very much. No, no, it's all good. Let's stay in touch. And I'll tell all these people listening to this more about the Winter Clash soon when I have more news. Wonderful. Too. Okay. Perfect. Thank, you. thank you very much for the good talk. <laughs> bye bye. Have a nice day. Bye, man. Cheers. And that was it. I hope you guys enjoyed this skate talk as much as I did. Jojo is just like every other or at least most of the other guests that I had until now. It's like, it's pure inspiration and it's someone who I really look up to in everything, not just in skating, but like in general, in life. So if you did enjoy this this skate talk and if you want to listen to more of these with people like Jojo, maybe not like, but at least more <laughs> with more skating people or skating related talks, just subscribe to this channel. You might listen to more of these. And if you did like this one, don't forget to give me some thumbs up. And the reason why I asked you all to give me some thumbs up is that the more good feedback this YouTube thing gets about what I do, the more these videos, the more these talks get suggested. And the idea with this is to grow skating. So this is another way to try to help skating. And that's what I'm trying to do with this YouTube channel. So 
I do hope you guys enjoy what we're doing here. And if you did enjoy, again, don't forget to subscribe to the channel, give me some thumbs up. And in the end, the reason why we all do this, it's because we had fun the first day. So just like I always say, don't forget why we all started, because it's fun. Cheers, guys. See you soon. Vou viver até quando